Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark chapter 2 beginning at the first verse. Glory to you Lord Jesus Christ. A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow think like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, please be seated. It's now time for our kids' talk. Um, (laughs) And I know a lot of us are of ripe age, and um, we don't have too many juniors with us this morning. Uh, mainly because our kids' um, our family service is launching today at 10 a.m., so a lot of our kids are going to be coming to that one. Um, but you're so immersed in the adventures of Detective Zoe uh, that I thought we'd treat you to um, our kids' talk video all the same. After my interview with Simon's mother-in-law and hearing about the Saviour's healings, I knew I was getting closer to finding my man. He wasn't hanging out with the rich and famous. He was hanging out with ordinary people, but doing amazing things. But who was this Saviour? Simon's mother-in-law thought he was the real deal, but I wasn't so sure. I had to meet him. All of a sudden, I bumped into a stranger straight out of the blue. Which way are you going? <gasps> Sorry, Fan, I just started walking. I'm still finding my feet. I'm still I'm so happy to be walking again. Something new better happen. Started walking? What do you mean? You're a grown man. You should know how to walk by now. Yes, you'd think so. But he's been paralysed all his life. All he's done for many years is lie on a mat. Oh, gosh. That sounds terrible. What happened next? I'll let Fred kill him. It's just so 
Hi there, I'm Fred. I'm Percy's best mate. But life has been hard for Percy. He's been paralysed all his life. He's so kind and caring. But he hasn't been able to join us for bushwalks or swimming. The other day, we heard about this saviour guy. So me and Percy's friends picked him up and took him over to that place. And then what happened? When we got to his house, it was chock-a-block. They were coming to him for prayer. There was no way we were getting in. So what did you do? We made a hole in the roof. You vandalised the house. Well, you... yes, but what else could we do? So we lowered him into the house. Percy had to meet him, so we lowered him through the roof and laid him before the saviour. Then he did the best thing ever. What was that? He forgave Percy's sins. What? Didn't you go to get him healed? Yes, but forgiveness is much more important. Hold up. How is the saviour even allowed to forgive sins? If I hurt you, you can't forgive me and you can't forgive me. Only you can forgive me. So how does the saviour forgive me? That's right. That's exactly what the crowd said. And Percy was just lying there. Some good that was. He could forgive your sins, but he couldn't help him to walk. But that's just it, detective. After forgiving Percy's sins, he said to the whole room, to show you that I have authority to forgive sins, watch this. Then he said to Percy, take up your mat and walk. And he did. And could you? My leg is strong. I jumped up and I walked out of that room. Now I'm friends with God again. Yay! I'm forgiven. Hmm. A likely story. I think this sounds too good to be true. It does, Detective. But that's our story and we're sticking to it. Me too, Detective. Got to meet this saviour guy. He's awesome. I thank the young friends for their time. They didn't know where the saviour was either, but they were trying to find all of their friends and tell them about him. Who did he think he was for giving sins like that? How had he made the man walk? Why was I talking to myself all the time like this? These questions had answers, and most of them were to be found on the trail of the saviour. We're very thankful for our wonderful actors and actresses. Um, we're hoping that Detective Zoe might catch up with the saviour one day, uh, but she sure is taking a deep dive into his story. Well, today we're looking at that exact story. We're looking at one of the most exciting healing stories in the whole Bible. Chances are you've heard it many times before. The story of a paralysed man and his friends who crash into Jesus' life and leave with more than they've bargained for. We're four weeks into our Follow the Saviour series, looking at what Mark's Gospel had to, has to say about Jesus. And last week, we read some of Jesus' first hearing, healing miracles. Jesus' influence so far in Mark has been growing, and his healings have become more and more significant. And the crowds have been getting bigger and bigger. So today, as we launch Kids Church, we're going to look at this well-known but powerful story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man. And to unpack it, I've broken it up into four chunks. First, we're going to look at the power of friendship. 
Then we're going to look at the power of forgiveness. Then we're going to see the power of freedom. And finally, we're going to see the power of Jesus in our lives. But before I dive into the sermon, please pray for me, friends, as I pray for you. Loving Lord God, we thank you that you meet us in your word. Thank you that we get to speak to you in prayer. And thank you that you speak to us through your word. Um, We pray, Lord, that as we follow the Savior, that we would understand Jesus better today and that you would help us to understand this Bible passage and apply it to our lives and to the world around us. We pray this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So in the beginning of Mark, in verse 1 of Mark 2, we see the power of friendship. And we read in the first verses, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he proceeded and he preached the word to them. So here is Jesus back in Capernaum. And scholar Tom Wright points out that Jesus is probably in his own house. This is the house that Jesus would have owned in Capernaum. He bases a lot of his teaching and ministry around that town and around the region of Galilee. And so scholars think that after uh, he grew up with Mary and Joseph in Nazareth, he went and lived probably in a town just like Capernaum, in a house just like this. There are large numbers of people in the house wanting to hear Jesus preach. Remember from last week that Jesus had authority, unlike the other teachers. And he told his disciples that preaching was one of the reasons he came in to the world. Now people are crushing in on every side, spilling out of the doorways just to hear Jesus. It's at this point that the four mates bring a paralyzed man to Jesus. But there's a problem. They can't get in because the doors are blocked by the people. So we read in verse 4. And friends, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to uh, follow along um, just to make sure that I'm not making up porky pies. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible, um, it's there on the screen for you. Mark 2, 4 says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. The friends are so determined to bring their mate to Jesus that they're ready to vandalize a house just to help him out. Houses at the time were made of mud and bricks and the roofs were latticed with sticks and then thatched with grass and then covered with mud. So you can imagine this mixture of mud, sticks and grass raining down on Jesus' head And then all of a sudden, a chink of light coming in. And then all of a sudden, a man descending from the sky. It's a powerful story. And here we see the power of friendship in action. On Wednesday, my son Micah had his first day of school. Um, He's been pumped about starting school for weeks. But last week, he confessed to me that he was feeling a little bit scared because he didn't know how he was going to make any friends. So we dropped him off, um, and we were praying that school would go smoothly for him. 
We went to his classroom, we hung his bag up, um, we labelled his fruit. Apparently that's something you have to do at school these days. We had to write a name on his fruit. Um, (laughs) Then we found his name tag um, and we took some photos and then we came to the point of no return. We realised it was the point where we, we needed to leave Micah. And um, Zoe and I got a little bit emotional, we got a little bit choked up, um, and we were ready to say our goodbyes, but then Micah just tore off, and he went and sat down on the carpet with some of his friends. And with that, the power of friendship melted all the anxiety and the tension. It was awesome as we saw the power of friendship. Micah forgot about his worries and about saying goodbye to his parents because he was with his friends. This is why Mark tells us that Jesus was impressed by their faith. Whose faith? Probably not the paralytics. He can't really move. It's the faith of the friends. They were willing to do what their friend needed to make him well, to bring him to Jesus. And this is the power of friendship. This is why, friends, at church, we shouldn't just be friendly to people around us. We need to invest in relationships with the people around us. It takes time, it takes energy, and perhaps a coffee or a dinner. But as we invest in friendships, our lives become fuller and our hearts become bigger. Notice it's not about the number of friends. Some people make lots of friends. Um, Some people only make a few deep, really well-known personal friends. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert um, will depend on how you build relationships. But we're all called in Christ to forge powerful friendships. And as we build those friendships, as we develop those relationships, we can bring our friends to Jesus and Jesus will do the rest. It's the power of friendship that gets this man to Jesus, and Jesus takes it further by showing everyone gathered there the power of forgiveness. Now again, I encourage you to look in your Bibles at verse 5. As we read, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, at first, it seems like a total downer. The man wasn't brought to Jesus to be forgiven. Everyone in that room can see that this man's problem is his paralysis. Come on, Jesus, don't you see? (laughs) This man didn't come for forgiveness. He came for healing. And notice that after Jesus pronounces this man's forgiveness, guess what? He's still lying there paralyzed. He's still lying on his mat, unable to move. Nothing about his immediate circumstances have changed. Rather than impress the crowds, Jesus makes them angry. And we read in verse 6, Now some of the teachers of the law were seeing them, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow think like that? Why does he talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone. They've got a point. If I, if I um, 
get Neil up and body slam him this morning. <laughs> and then after the service, I come up to Yvonne and say, Yvonne, I feel really bad about body slamming Neil. Can you forgive me? She's going to say, no, you need to go to Neil for forgiveness. <laughs> He's the one who's hurt. This is exactly what the teachers of law are thinking. How can Jesus forgive anyone for their sins that they've committed against God? Blaspheming is demeaning God. It's rubbishing God. And it looks like Jesus is doing exactly that by glibly proclaiming he can do something that only God can do. But here's the rub of the story. This is the, this is the center of Jesus' teaching. This is why Jesus forgives the man first. Jesus takes this parachuting, paralytic situation and he turns it into a teaching opportunity. The man's biggest problem, friends, isn't his physical condition. It's his spiritual condition. Now we can hypothesize about what the crowd knew about this man. Perhaps, um, perhaps he'd lived a really horrible life. Perhaps they thought, well, he deserves to be paralyzed. There was a thinking amongst the Jews at the time that if your parents sinned, that um, a little bit like we think about karma today, um, if I live a really bad life, I'll come back in the next life um, as a bug or whatever, or maybe horrible things will happen to me. Um, perhaps they thought that this man deserved to be paralyzed. But regardless, Jesus is saying, your biggest need, friend, is not perfect health. Your biggest need is friendship and a relationship with God. Jesus here is about to teach us something about suffering and sin. He's reading the room. And the man's condition exposes our hearts. In verse 8, we read, Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. You can almost feel the sadness in Jesus' voice. The teachers of the law are so intoxicated by their own negativity that as soon as Jesus even speaks good things over this man, they're triggered and they think the worst. They rightly want to defend the holiness of God, but they need to crush people in the process. They doubt Jesus and they're so twisted by their own religiosity that they can't even give Jesus the benefit of the doubt. But Jesus asks them this profound question. Is healing or is forgiveness harder to do? On the one hand, it's easier to say, I forgive you, than it is to make a paralyzed person walk. But on the other hand, forgiveness is hard. And sometimes it seems impossible. For almost 2,000 years, theologians have been debating this question of Jesus. It's a rhetorical question, but ultimately Jesus is saying, our deepest human need isn't physical healing, friends. It's spiritual healing. 
doesn't matter if I've got a perfect body, if I'm racked with guilt and regret. Friends, a life of perfect health and an eternity in hell is very different to a hard life now and an eternity with God in heaven. Alexander Pope once wrote, to err is human, to forgive is divine. And Jesus is showing us that forgiveness from God is what we truly need in life. Jesus heals the man spiritually to show us the power of forgiveness. And then he shows us his power to forgive spiritually by healing the man physically. The man only comes for temporal relief, but Jesus gives him forgiveness for all eternity. This spiritual healing gives him ultimate healing and shows us the power of freedom. See, Jesus is showing us something here about the power of freedom. Freedom, ultimate freedom, is found in God alone. Mark continues in verse 10 by quoting Jesus, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He, took up, he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. Here Jesus brings home his point. Whoever you are, whatever we think we want, what we truly need is peace with God. While the skeptic is in the crowd, doubt his authority to forgive, Jesus won't let their toxicity reign. He proves his authority by healing the man. The paralyzed man who was lowered into the room now walks out of the door, free and healed. It's a glorious glimpse of the good news of Jesus in a nutshell. We come racked and desperate. We leave forgiven and we go into life free. Friends, when we finally humble ourselves enough to bring ourselves to Jesus, or perhaps even let others bring us to Jesus, So often we bring him our wants. God, make me rich. God, give me a girlfriend. God, give me energy. God, heal my body. God, give me a job. We come to God with our wants. But so often, God gives us something totally different. Forgiveness and freedom to walk through this life and its challenges with him. We may want things like physical health, but what we need is a relationship with God. Jesus could have healed the man right there, and he could have got up and took on his mat and walked, and he would have left without the greatest gift that Jesus has to offer. But he does it the reverse. And you can imagine the energy in the room as Jesus forgives the man and then heals him. You can imagine the man slowly using back muscles he hasn't used in ages, 
propping himself up with leg muscles that are stiff and sore and with arms bending down that he's never used. He picks up his mat and walks through the dumbfounded crowd. He then passes through the doors and through these crowds like the parting of the waters of the Red Sea. And outside, he embraces his friends. We don't know his name. We don't know what he did next. Did he join the local hockey team? Did he join Jesus' disciples? Who knows? Whatever happened next, Jesus shows us that he has the power to forgive and the power to free us from the things that truly oppress us. Wherever Jesus goes in Mark's gospel, the freedom of the kingdom breaks in and spiritual healing flows out of Jesus like the purest water. Friends, this is why we're making the effort to restart kids' church every week this, this week. It's a lot of work for our volunteers and parents. But we th- believe the thing our kids truly need is Jesus There are so many demands and distractions for families right now and church often seems like way too much effort. But as a church, we realize that God doesn't have grandchildren, only children. If I'm a Christian, I can't rely on my Christianity to somehow flow onto my children. I need to actively disciple them. We as a church need to partner together to make sure that our children become children of God and our grandchildren and their grandchildren. If we never share our faith and encourage our children in our lives to find their own connection with Jesus then they may miss out on the freedom he offers. It's that important, friends. So I want to encourage you today to speak to myself, uh, Zoe or Judy in the office. She's doing the live stream today, uh, but, um, but she's, she's in the office most days. And perhaps you can have a talk with us about how you can be involved in kids' church or youth. Perhaps you can help with kids' talks. Or perhaps uh, you can pray weekly for our kids and volunteers. Perhaps you can help with a meal. Or you can help prepare craft items. Whatever the giftings you have, we all have a role in discipling the next generation of followers of Jesus. So that they might experience the power of Jesus to bring freedom and hope into our world. It's a joy to joy today that in the 10 a.m. service, and you're very welcome to stick around and see this, we're going to commission our kids' church volunteers and we're going to pray for our kids that they might discover the freedom found in Jesus. And we do this through the power of Jesus. The final verse of um, our reading from Mark 2 says, This amazed everyone and they praised God God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Notice this seals the controversy that we see in this passage. Notice that Jesus healed the man, but who is getting the praise? God. 
the people are saying something incredibly profound about Jesus. They're saying Jesus is God. They're saying Jesus is Lord. This is what we see within the Trinity. We believe in one God who we meet in Scripture as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why does Jesus have authority on earth to forgive sins? Because he is God. No one has power to forgive sins but God alone. That's what the crowds say. And Jesus is saying, yes, that's why I can forgive this man. With the Father and the Holy Spirit, we are united in power, purpose, and vision. Mark is showing us that not only Jesus does Jesus have power to heal physically, but he has power to heal spiritually, to forgive sins. The paralyzed man's world is transformed through one encounter with the living God. This encounter will in turn lead Jesus on a path of no return. As he teaches like this, as he heals and forgives, the power brokers will get angrier and angrier. They will oppose him more strongly and try to trip him up again and again. Jesus came into the world not just to heal the man, but to forgive him. How does he forgive him? By dying on a cross. Jesus forgives the man now, but he will die for his forgiveness on a cross at Calvary about three years later. He does this so that ultimate healing and forgiveness might be ours. So friends, as we give thanks for the power of friendship, as we drink deeply in the power of Jesus' healing and forgiveness and embrace the freedom found in him, let's recognize that Jesus is powerful to give us everything we truly need. Let's keep making friends in our community and keep bringing people of all ages to meet Jesus. Let's take hold of the power available to us by Christ, through the Holy Spirit, and let's share it with the world. Let's partner with Jesus and see him transform the world around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.